Ladies and gentlemen, this is Fuck Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kim Lay. And each episode of Book Music, we focus on a book, a book about music, a book written by a musician, a book written by a music historian, any book that deals with music or music that is in a book. And twice a month, we choose one title and we focus all our attention on that one book. And today, the lucky winner is a book called Go All the Way, a literary appreciation of power pop by Paul Myers and S.W. Lawden, published by Rare Bird Books, hardcover, a compilation of essays on power pop. And Kimley, do you know what power pop is? Well, see, now that's an interesting topic, isn't it? It's pretty much one of the main topics of this book is what is power pop? Um, I think it was pretty interesting um, trying to read all the different ways that all these different writers were defining it. I mean, there were definitely some similarities, but it was interesting how diverse um, the people were sort of uh, saying that power pop was and the bands that they claimed could be categorized as power pop. I mean, I certainly didn't agree with a lot of them, but you know, that's what mm -hmm. makes it interesting. Well, one person, well, there's, I mean, there's, there's various lots of people here in this book, uh -huh. but a, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Wallen who's a musician and librarian from Long Beach, California. And he has a band called Tazar. Has a really good sort of paragraph. I'm gonna read it because it, to me it defines the whole essence of what power pop is. Sure. Okay. This is his point of view, not my point of view, perhaps. Here we go. The same thing goes for fans too. The world owns the Beatles. But during this era, power pop fans got to have their own mini Beatlemania when they like Cheap Trick or The Knack, or even minier one when they like The Romantics or The Plimsolls, or even extra minier one when they like The Toms or The Records or The Beat or The Pop or Radio City or The Speedies or whoever. When a power pop fan listens to Emmett Rowe's solo record, they're not really trying to listen to something new and exciting. They're trying to listen to someone, someone who is like they are, working through their Beatles feelings. That is power pop. You done? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. finished. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I want that silence as a dramatic effect. Yes, yes, I like it. Um, it's funny because I pulled a, a quote from his essay too, because I, I really enjoyed his essay about how he was so Beatles obsessed and how to him, everything about power pop all comes back to the Beatles. And, uh -huh. and uh, one of the quotes I pulled was being in a power pop band is an expression of wanting to be in the Beatles. <laughs> so yeah. it was, it's interesting. I mean, obviously that's the Beatles and the Beach Boys, uh, early who, mm -hmm. and that's all sort of the, and, and the who 
and I guess Pete Townsend is the first one to coin the term. Yeah, yeah. They, I didn't know that till I read this book. They said in 1967 in an interview, he claimed uh, that what they did, their early sort of when they were more singles, a singles band, that he claimed what they did was power pop, which uh, I, I like that expression, power pop. Uh, I'm okay with it, but I think what Pete was talking about is different from what um, this writer was writing about. Power pop. And this book is pretty much power pop. It's seen as sort of a nostalgic approach to the Beatles, but updating it to the 70s or 80s, 90s, right. of the decade. Uh, and I think Pete Townsend was talking about as it was happening. Well, of course, yeah, obviously. And, I, and he was talking about power pop, like like making pop music more noisier, more and 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 right, right. Well, I really liked um, in Dylan Champion's uh, essay. His his definition of power pop was um, bubblegum with balls. You know, yes. <laughs> I thought that was really good. That sort of really nailed it very succinctly. It's it's you know it's got that beat that yeah. sort of very vibrant, effervescent yeah. beat, but there's something else there that makes it a little more tolerable than you know bubblegum. It's it's got some edge to it. Yes. And, uh, I think Michael uh, Shaban talked about a lot about how, you know, there's an underlying sadness and despair, um, yeah. either in the lyrics or so, some way that the chord changes come about. Um, and as I was reading this book, I realized that I'm, I'm really very particular about the power pop that I like because I'm a big fan of the genre. But there's a lot of stuff mm. that I don't like. And it's such a fine line between inspired and insipid. You know, it's just... Uh, well, Kim, you're going to be shocked to hear this. <laughs> okay. Are you sitting down? Uh, uh, I'm going to. Yes, now I'm sitting down. Yeah, I'm always sitting down. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have to fight about this one. Okay. Oh, no, I, I, no, I actually... Power pop to me, my definition of power pop or what I feel is power pop is music that I'm very, very drawn to and emotional um, and intellectually. It taps my essence, that type of music. Yeah. But what's interesting is, and you know, especially, you know, we both were, we worked at record stores and we, you know, we heard records and, you know, and there's always been records by people who I thought these people, you know, my fellow record people, including you, loved passionately. Uh -huh. And I thought, no, I don't like this music. And though I like that, that I like power pop, it is, but power pop is very individualistic in a way, too, yeah. as well as collective. Uh -huh. You know, and so it's power pop. I think the power pop I like is the power pop that nobody else likes. <laughs> okay. Power pop for me is an audience of one, me. Right, right. Well, I think that's a big part of the appeal. I mean, they get into that in the book for sure. And I don't want to share my power pop with other people. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all yours and yours alone. <laughs> I like to hear a really commercial, like catchy, strong melody. Um, uh, perfect production. Uh -huh. record beautiful lyrics and a song that should be a hit is and it doesn't become a hit right, right. that is my that's what i love yeah yeah failure failure yes yes right, right. Not, only does the, not only does the singer in the band and the power pop song fail to get their loved one whether the girl or a man or whatever yeah but they also the song refuses to become a hit 
And if it, even lucky if it comes a cult item. Right, right. Of like five people, perhaps. No, that, <laughs> is, that, that is the best power pop. That's the best power pop. Yeah, I love what Michael Shavon said about some, the big star September Girls. He said, the greatest number one song that never charted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least now it's a cult hit, but I mean, for years and years and years, nobody knew who Big Star was. Their albums were out of print. And yeah. you did actually share Big Star with me, Tosh, because that's how I discovered Big Star. You played their records for me in the early 80s. Well, you like Big, I like the star part. <laughs> well, you actually played Alex Chilton solo for me before uh, you played any Big Star. <laughs> I think you do, you, you, you're always perverse. You know? You're like, you're going to listen to Like Flies on Sherbet first. If you like that, then you're worthy of listening to Big Star. You know, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think I heard that Alex Chilton album before uh, Big Star. Actually. Oh, you did as well? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I have a perverse listening. You know, I don't listen to things when they first come out. Oh, because I thought you had listened to Big Star when they first came No, out. I heard about them, you know, but... Yeah, um, you never got the record. I, I, I think it was till Alex Shilton went solo or, you know, he made some solo recordings. Yeah. And that was my introduction to Alex Shilton. I mean, I heard right. um, the box tops. Right, know, right. Everybody knows. The letter, the yeah. Stars, but yeah. but um, I didn't hear... I heard of Big Star because every rock and roll critic wrote about them. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. You know, the media was so behind Big Star in a way, yet... It didn't make them hit. I mean, they didn't. Yeah, I know. It's strange. They, you know, didn't do anything for them really. Yeah, yeah. For um, whatever reason, I think I think it was a you know a distribution problem. It was a business yeah. thing. You know, they couldn't get radio play. And, well, they're like a small label, and you know, right. and, and, and it's in the wrong place, wrong time, but really in the right place in the right time. I mean, yeah. look at it historically, you know, and, uh, and culturally. Uh, you know, Memphis in the '60s. Right. But. Um, but yeah, power pop is a very, 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 you know, touchy and personal thing. Right. Um, when I read this book, this collection of essays, and there's like a lot, there's like, what, 10 or 12 more? I don't know how, I count I didn't count how many. No, I think there's more like 20 essays. Okay, yeah. 20 they're essays. They're all just a few pages. You know, they're all yeah. like, you know, maybe four to 10 pages long. They're pretty short. Yeah, and a very and a very enjoyable book to read. I mean, it's very, you know, there's, there, there are other essays I prefer than others. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's always like that when you have a collection, some are better yeah. than others. But then when you start reading it, you start thinking like, why not the Pixies? Mm-hmm. I mean, are, 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 aren't the Pixies like power pop? Do you consider them power? I don't know. I think they're a little... I do, because they, they, they have a strong they're melody. Catchy. They're definitely catchy, but yeah. I think they're a little... For me, I would. I don't know if I'd call them power pop, but... Uh, See, that's, I, I think it's funny because that's a big part of what this book is, is a, people, a lot of the essays were just going on about what was clearly a beloved band. And for some reason, whatever that reason might be, they wanted to declare that this band was power pop. Right. Like there were two essays on ELO who I would never in a million years consider power pop. Uh-huh. And I, I'm not sure why people get so passionate about this label and, and either applying it or not applying it. Uh-huh. Um, it was interesting because another big part of the book was, is this a label that a band wants to have applied to them or not? You know, it's, yeah. it's a subgenre that's often maligned and also sort of a kiss of death that, you know, people yeah. think of, you know, if you're a power pop band, you're never going to make it. You're never going to sell any records. So yeah. um, even if somebody felt like, yeah, what I'm doing is power pop, but I don't want that label. You know, <laughs> It's a kiss yeah. of death. Yeah. So it was interesting how they talked about a lot. So to define power pop, I mean, the way the, you know, 
the way the book is. I mean, pretty much not like the time or era of the Beatles or the British Invasion. It's after that, like the 70s. Right, right. Or 80s and, you know, and on and on. Well, it seems like there were sort of these, these keep being this ebb and flow of resurgences, you know. Yeah. It was, you know, there was Big Star in the 70s and Cheap Trick and the Raspberries and mm -hmm. Emmett Rhodes. So those were sort of the, you know, I think the first uh, wave of power pop people. And then, you know, we had the 80s with, you know, you and I love the DBs, which were barely, I think they had maybe one mention in this book, which I Yeah, why is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. This is this is one of those things where people can argue about stuff endlessly. Um, well, but the argument is, is a strong one. I mean, the DBs, basically. It's me. Like, they're one of the quintessential power pop They're right. They're right. They're right. Yeah. Three-minute pop songs. Right. They're kind of quirky. You know, they're quirky. But they're, right. but they're definitely. They never had a hit. Right. <laughs> Four and, geeky guys. <laughs> and, you know, and the, and why uh, why them or the sneakers? You know, the pre -TV. right, right. Why are they not in this book? Yeah, I know, I know. Why is um, it? Why is ELO on the book? Why is ELO takes place in the DV? Yeah, I know. That's what I, I the ELO thing kind of uh, that one was the one that most flummoxed me of all um you know there was another one on kiss which i thought was kind of funny but i could sort of see the argument for that because they really are kind of there's definitely an underlying pop element to kiss but uh uh the elo one i had trouble with although i actually liked the one by uh i think it was kate sullivan um you know i've, I've never been an elo fan but her take she was very passionate about it, it almost made me want to go and sort of re-examine them and listen to them again but not quite <laughs> I'm not sure I'm up to listening to ELO, but but then but why ELO, not the original band of Jeff Lynne with Roy Wood, uh, the move, right, right, which would be more. I mean the the move. Okay, they're in the '60s. I mean like '68, '69. Yeah. But that band was should be by definition, you know, like a, a power pop band. Yeah. I mean, they even more power pop. They got moved. I mean, they got mentioned in the essays, but yeah, they weren't really examined in any any depth. You know, I don't and. And I know disrespect to ELO and ELO fans, and you know, it's like a generational thing too. But yeah. the move is so more superior. <laughs> In your unbiased opinion, it's not even argumentative. It's the move. <laughs> well, I really liked the um, S.W. Lawden quote in his essay. He says, He's talking about power pop fandom, and he says, It's the debate club of rock and roll. It's not intended to be mean-spirited or malicious, but you better take it seriously or risk getting gutted in the record store hours or on the killing floor of social media. So, you know, don't, <laughs> don't mess around with this stuff. You, you're not going to joke around. This is serious, serious business. <laughs> Electric Light Orchestra. I mean, they were massively huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were big when I was in high school. Yeah, and, you know, I think well, they there's a generational listening thing taking place in this book and other books and just talking about music in general. Yeah, there were a lot of 90s bands mentioned that I uh -huh. sort of know, you know, I know their hits that I'd seen on MTV and things like that, but I wasn't as familiar with them. Um, yeah. But I've gone and listened to a few. And, and yeah, there's some good stuff for sure. Um, there's a lot of stuff I need to go and explore in more depth. Some of the bands I'm afraid to explore because they have so much music. Yeah, it gets overwhelming. Whenever we read any of these books that are sort of compilations of a lot of different bands, it, it does get overwhelming. It's like, oh my God, there's so much music to go and explore. It's just, um, you know, there's just so much music out there. It's kind of amazing. Guided by Voices. 
Yeah, I like them actually. I've been a fan of theirs for a while. I don't know them. I know the music. I know of them. I, yeah, I, they're super prolific. It's hard to keep up with them. And, you know? and, and my favorite writer, Dennis Cooper, is a mega fan of Guided by Voices. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They're good. I, you might like them. Yeah, I but like them. How is it even possible at this stage to grasp their entire catalog? I know. I know. It's tough. It's not and, easy. And, and he also does solo albums besides Guided by Voices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people are just, you know, they just can spew forth so much. Uh, How much talk can one make? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of amazing. But <laughs> he does. Yeah, it's, it's a lot a lot of music. But they are good. I like them. They're one of the bands that I was familiar with. Um, and why, uh, why not Sparks? Sparks. Hmm. I don't know. I think they're a little too orchestrated. Um, they're a little more art pop in my mind. I mean, they're definitely catchy. You know, they're mm -hmm. borderline. They're definitely borderline. But, you know, they also didn't have anything about the Soft Boys. I think maybe the Soft Boys got mentioned once in Robin yeah. Hitchcock. Um, to me, that's another, you know, classic power pop. Yeah, it's I interesting. Agree. Do you think, is there a difference between power pop and jangle pop? They never mentioned jangle pop. But, you know, as I was sort of doing research, mm -hmm. you know, for this book, I, I, and I always kind of think of the two as being somewhat interchangeable, but I saw some things being called one and some being called the other. And I was yeah, like, this is where it gets really those nuances are getting insane. Um, yeah, um, okay, one thing I noticed that there are a few British bands focused like XTC, ELO, they're British. Oh, but, okay. the, but, the, but the majority of the uh, bands in this book are all American. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And that I don't, you know, I'm probably English orientated, but I suspect the, the writers here are really focused on American music. I mean, that's yeah. what the first love is. So the yeah. jingle, jingle pop is like, um, you know, when you say that, I think of Orange Juice or the Scottish, you know, like the Scotland bands of the 80s and 70s. You know, like Orange Juice, especially early Orange Juice, definitely jingly. Uh -huh. and, and I would argue even power pop, you know. They're very highly, highly, highly literate. I don't know what the difference is, but. You know, like they're highly literate lyrics. Edward uh -huh. Collins is the, uh, the main orange juice guy. Yeah. Definitely jingly guitars, you know, um, uh, but very, very sort of pop orientated, you know, rooted right. in, in, in sort of pre Beatle pop world. Right. Why right. they're not mentioned because they don't, maybe the authors don't know them or they're, or again, they're not from America or. Well, yeah. and there's only so much they can cover in the book, I guess. You know, I mean, there's a lot of bands that weren't really. Uh -huh. I mean, XTC was mentioned, but they weren't really discussed very much either. And I definitely would call them power pop. Um, and Buzzcocks got mentioned. I would consider them power pop. Maybe a little edgy for power pop, but it's definitely borderline power pop. They're power pop. Yeah, I think I would, I would call them power pop. Um, and I didn't, I had never heard of, uh, uh, what do they call it? Pop punk? Pop punk. <laughs> yeah, that was a new term for me. Which well, is maybe, maybe that's the Buzzcocks. Maybe the Buzzcocks. Are maybe pop. the Buzzcocks would be, yeah, pop. And, you know, like the Ramones. I mean, I always think of the Ramones as being pretty pop. I mean, obviously, they're they're part of the original punk movement. But now when you listen to them, they, see, they feel really pop to me. Yeah, they're power pop. Yeah, I think of the Ramones as being pretty power pop. And maybe the difficulty with this book is because power pop is very hard to define and what artists are actually power pop. 
Well, it's funny because right when I started reading the book, I was thinking about, well, how do I define power pop? And of course, I immediately thought of that, um, the uh, uh, Supreme Court justice saying, you know, uh, I can't define porn, but I know what it is when I see it. And I was going to, I was like, oh, this will be a good, funny little quip for the podcast. And then like three or four of the essays people said that, <laughs> brought up that little quote. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> but it was funny how many of the essays had that. Like, I can't really define it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> well, okay. So the, the, the strong, okay, the strong artists in this book, uh-huh. Either, either due to chapters on them or other people, you know, in their essays mentioning bands like Cheap Trick. Yes. Yeah. You read this book, you're going you're gonna to feel Cheap Trick is essential power pop. Well, I would consider them essential. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, and then ELO, is, is, I think, is another, you know. Yeah, they got there. a few essays, yeah. Uh, Kiss, for some reason, comes up. Yeah, Kiss came up. It got, they got one big essay and it got mentioned in a couple other essays. Yeah, you know, Kiss is like another generational band. You're like, you know, you were like 12 or 13 when Kiss came. Yeah, they were huge when I was in junior high, but I never was really into them. I mean, they I'm were not kiddie, either. Yeah, I'm not. So I was too old for them. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely kind of more kitty. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They never really did much for me. Um, I take them or leave them. But yeah, so it's interesting. And big Star came up a lot. There were two Big Stars. Yeah. And they did come up a lot. Everybody liked Big Star. September Girls. Yeah, there was a whole essay just on September Girls. It was sort of, a, somebody called it the Ur classic of uh, power pop songs, you know. And, um, so that was interesting. Because yeah, the, the song yearns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, for me, definitely, there's got to be a quirkiness. There's got to be some kind of underlying darkness. Um, I don't like it if it's just totally happy. No. I can't relate to that. Can't relate to happy. No, 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 no. It's got to have something twisted to it. And I, think, I mean, it could still be kind of happy, but twisted, I guess. You know, it's just. Uh, well, Badfinger. Uh huh. Badfinger is mentioned in this book. They're actually, I think yeah. they're on the, are, are they on the cover of the book? No, I think it's the Raspberries, right? Because that's the title. Is of that the, the Raspberries? The Raspberries song, so I'm assuming it's the Raspberries. Okay, song. you know, I'm not really sure because Raspberries usually wear like matching suits and a very bright color. They're never like dark and shadows. Right. I don't know. I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't even notice really. I didn't look, but I assume oh, it was okay. the Raspberries. L- Listeners, you will have to decide who is on the cover. <laughs> I'm sure it probably says somewhere in the book who it is. For some reason, I thought I thought it was Bad Finger. Uh, but you could be right. You could be right because that's definitely one of the classic. Power and Bad Finger is probably uh, you know classic. Pop, well, they're like the closest to the Beatles. They actually knew the Beatles. Right, right. They were on the Apple label. They were on Apple label, and they had nothing but tragedy. Yes. Although they had a few hits, at least. But but, 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 but still tragedy. Yeah. Uh, two of the members committed suicide. Uh, you got a feeling they got ripped off by the music business. They were not happy, yeah. not happy campers. But their song was very yearning and very catchy and very commercial. Right. And very Beatlesque in, in its you know its approach to uh, sure. songwriting. Well, part of that first generation of how they discuss power pop in this book. And another person of interest is a guy named Scott Miller. We had a band called Game Theory, uh-huh. and and the Loud Family. Oh, okay, Lance Loud. 
Uh, well, not uh, yeah, yes, the Loud Family. I think it's named after American. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not Lance Loud in the because Lance oh. Loud himself was a singer in the Mumps. Right. Okay. Another power pop band, The Mumps. They should have listed. Anyway, <laughs> we could go on and on and yeah. on about all our favorite bands that got dismissed in this book. <laughs> yeah, Scott Miller um, is a very much of a cult figure. Um, I believe he committed suicide. Was he in the book? I don't remember him being mentioned. Yeah, I remember Game Theory getting mentioned at some they're, point. They're mentioned in the book, and actually, uh, Scott Miller is also a uh, writer. He wrote a book called Music: What Happened. Oh. And he does little capsule reviews of sort of, you know, power pop people like Badfinger, no matter what, Day After Day, Badfinger. He doesn't do whole albums. He talks about songs. Uh -huh. I Just Tell You by Todd Rundgren, uh, Earn Enough for Us by XTC. Uh, oh, wait, he uh, has one of the essays in this book. You're talking yeah. about the essay where he's discussing the songs, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was good. I liked his little. And little he mentioned Black and White by the DEVs. Okay. Uh -huh. That's nice. And, go, and so yeah, he's he wrote a book, and I look, you know, and reading this chapter, and his little excerpt of his writing, I wanted to read the book, the music, you know, what happened, and I looked it up. It's out of print, but to buy it is like over a hundred dollars. Oh wow! But, you know, even like two hundred dollars. Oh, well, that's something that needs to be reissued for sure. Because yeah, yeah. His, his chapter was fun. I enjoyed uh, reading all his little essays. Yeah, and he had good taste. Yes, which good means taste. taste that's similar to mine. Sure. That's very clear. Yeah, see, I think he was the only one who mentioned the DBs in the whole book. Yes. Yeah, maybe uh, Rare Bird Books can reissue it. Yes, they should. And um, yeah, so it's interesting. You know, the subject matter is interesting. I I would eliminate some artists on here, but that is, again, a totally subjective thing. Right. Um, that's the thing about writing about music or talking about music. It's such a subjective thing. So I could tell that ELO sucks. And I could explain to you why they suck. But there's art there could be strong arguments why they do not suck and why they sure. are important. You know. Sure, sure, sure. Even though they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I they, thought Kim Sullivan did a good job of defending them. I like I said, it didn't make me really want to go listen to them. But I, 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 for a second I thought about it. I, I appreciated her passion. I actually I like I like Electric Light Orchestra at the time. Did you? I remember having one of their albums in high school, but um, mm -hmm. I don't remember why, and I don't think I had it for very long. I bought it. <laughs> had I a spaceship it. on the cover. That's all yeah. I remember. But I think all their albums had spaceships on the cover. I bought it. I enjoyed it, and then eventually I became very embarrassed by owning it. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> youthful indiscretions, it's okay. And that's we'll wrong. I mean, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed of anything you buy. No, no, of course not. I mean, it's no. good to explore things. It's Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, none of us should feel like, oh, I can't listen to something because it's not cool or whatever. Right. It's whatever you like, you like. It doesn't matter. And and your taste, your taste always changes as you, you know, go through life. I mean... I listened to all kinds of crap when I was a kid. You know, I, some at, stuff stuck and some didn't. At the beginning of the show, I didn't care about power pop, but at 28 minutes in, I now care about it a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, you were a big power pop fan. I, I like power. I like I like I like songs sure. of strong melody. But you know, um, both very particular about what yeah. We like. And I thought that Carrie Corrigan, if I pronounce your name correctly, Carrie Corrigan. 
her, her chapter on Liz Bear, I thought was really interesting. Oh, uh, like, yeah, I liked her chapter too, because I was actually a big fan of Liz Bear's first couple of albums, and then I sort of lost track of her. Uh -huh. and, uh, I definitely want to go back and check out that album that she's, I guess, uh, Liz Fair, you know, was sort of the indie darling, and then she did something that was super power pop, and, and uh, people really turned on her for that. And she uh, really talked about that a lot, especially because it was mostly men and, you know, yeah. her, her early, the early Liz Fair albums were, uh, talked a lot about sex, and so guys mm. liked that, and, um, you know, then she kind of went all girly, and uh, you know, all the male critics just completely dismissed her. And so, yeah, it definitely made me want to go check that album out. That was a strong chapter in the book. It was because it sort of got into other things besides just power pop, but sort of, you know, the whole problem with, you know, one, labeling artists and two, expecting artists to just keep churning out the same kind of music over and over. Um, you know, I think she talked about how there's this expectation that, you know, we like to say we want an artist to grow, but then if they actually do something different, we get pissed off. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's true. A lot of people are like that. And, um, you know, I, I always, I, I'm fine with people doing something different. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you have to appreciate somebody who's willing to put themselves out on the line and stretch themselves. You know, as we, as we talked about in our last episode, you don't remain, you keep moving. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Miss Bear did not remain. She moved on. Good for her. She's yes. a babe. Alex Hilton moved on. Yes. Didn't remain. Great artists move on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and this expectation that every album somebody's supposed to put out is supposed to be a masterpiece is ridiculous. Uh, you know, we all, any creative person, just keeps you know doing their thing some of it works some of it doesn't you just keep moving on well that's the, new things that is the enjoyment of listening to an artist who's been around for a long time yeah it's interesting when an artist you lie you love also to mix a record that doesn't make sense to you or you feel it's not as strong as the previous album or the previous right. you know or album number two or whatever but it's right. um, it's the it's a part of the journey that one enjoys you know that's sure. the adventure. and i and think one of the things this anthology of writing sort of conveys that it's basically uh, a group of artists with these writers who are writing about these artists who in a sense all have not remained but have moved on. Yeah. And I've found a lot of times when an artist has done a record that I'm kind of like, oh, I don't really like that so much. That's not, you know, a direction yeah. I'm keen on. But then maybe like a few years later, I'll go back and listen to it again and I'll go, what was I thinking? This is great. You know, have you ever done that? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes you're just not, you know, you're so used to hearing an artist be a certain way and then they change. And, yeah. you know, I always try to be open, but for whatever reason, often, you know, an artist will do a record that I don't care for. But I have found myself quite a few times years later going back and re-listening to something that I didn't previously like and going, I don't know what I was thinking. This is really great. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, like bands like Cheap Trick, uh -huh. um, maybe even like Tom Petty, to be fair. I'm not a big Petty fan, but yeah. these, are, these are, you know, people have like, who made a lot of albums. Um, some think all great, some up and down. But, you know, I think I seen like, if you discover Cheap Trick, you know, usually you don't discover them by their first album. It's like their third album. Right. You know, recently I discovered uh, a couple of years ago, Perfume Genius, totally different uh -huh. you know, music. But 
you know, he, when I discovered Perfume Genius, he had two previous albums. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's it's interesting to listen to, okay, this is the album I love, this third album or fourth album. Right. And then the first two or three albums were sort of a journey to get to the third album. Mm-hmm. And it's actually quite interesting when you hear in that context. Sure. And I think right now the music business is totally not into that. Now it's like you have that one record. No, they don't develop artists at all anymore. Not at all. Not at all. Not, and that and that is sort of destroys the pleasure of, as a listener or a fan to, you know, like I just told you, I, I or you know, I discovered Alex Shilton before Big Star. Right. Right. You know, yeah. so it's like I went back to listen to yeah. Big Star, and that you know, that, and that to have that ability to do stuff like that is you know, quite remarkable uh, and pleasurable journey of sorts. I know. And I think Cheap Trick are still touring. You know, it's funny. They were when I was in junior high and high school, and I never really got into them. But um, when I was living in New York in the, I can't remember, it was late 90s, early aughts, mm-hmm. and my friends who were huge fans as kids, that Cheap Trick was coming to town. They're like, oh, let's go see Cheap Trick. And I was kind of like, oh, all right, why not? Mm-hmm. Um and they were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they were a really good live band. Um, I was really surprised at how great they were. And I remember they did a whole Velvet Underground uh, tribute, which was great. They did like a whole medley of Velvet Underground mm-hmm. songs. So, you know, they have a good uh, background in music appreciation themselves. Yeah. And uh, so it was kind of funny that, you know, much later in life, I uh, kind of rediscovered a band from junior high. Yeah. They were fun, and they're a fantastic live band. Yeah, so, and they're and they're, they're happy, and they're not they're not nostalgic. They're like doing it now. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It was very. It didn't feel nostalgic. It, it was very. Uh, it felt very current. You know, I went to a show with you. I'm sure it was with you because a lot of other people from where we used to work, Liquor's Pizza. We uh-huh. went to the Greek Theater to see the Monkees. Uh, were you there? I don't remember that. Well, anyway, you know, it's like the monkeys, like way after their TV show, and, right. and even sure. Michael Mesmer. Yeah. And it was just, it was Mickey Dolan's, Peter Tork, and Davy Jones. And okay. I thought, oh, it's gonna be like a nostalgia, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna go anyway because you know, all, you know, friends are going, and I think the right, guy. Right, right. It's just an excuse to go out and have. Yeah, something. you know, yeah. what's the big deal? And then I saw them. I thought, oh my god, they're incredible. Uh-huh. And it wasn't incredible, like oh, it brings back memories when I was a kid. It was more like. You know their their energy and the way they attack their the songs the old songs yeah, yeah. Uh, in such a manner that um, it wasn't nostalgia it was like sort of like this is now it was a now right. experience yeah and okay. you know that's what, and that's sort of missing and you know T Tricks playing the, uh, well they are like a band like that as well yeah yeah but uh, it's very rare that you're gonna have bands with history these days you know and it's like um, and it's interesting about the whole uh, power pop thing because. It's really a commentary of the original pop of the Beatles, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like it had to be like a new generation doing this music. Yeah. So it's a, you know it's all part of the journey. Right, right. So this book, so this book is actually you know I it's, I'm not crazy about it, but I think it serves a a really good service for anybody who wants to take a step into that subject matter of power pop. Mm-hmm. I would only say there's a lot more things happy in power pop that's in this book right and again that's my subjective you know, point of view yeah i think anybody coming in this book is going to be like that it's going to be like well why wasn't this band in it and why yeah. wasn't that band in it it's inevitable but i think anybody of a certain generation mm-hmm. um people in their 40s or 50s i think they'll relate to this book because a lot of the bands were 
happening at their prime of their lives. Right. Yeah, I think most of the writers in this book were probably 10 to 20 years younger than you and me. So yeah. a little bit younger than us. And yeah. Listening to different music, coming at it from a different perspective. But, yeah. Um, and go all the way based on the Raspberry song. That's for sure a uh, power pop song, without a doubt. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think anybody would debate that. You can't debate, can't debate about that. <laughs> go all the way by the Raspberries. So we edited, edited by Paul Myers and S.W. Uh, Laudan, and it's published by Rare Bird Books. And right, and it came out, what, like the end of last year, I think? Yes. It's relatively new. Uh, friendly new, hardcover still. And uh, it's a collection of writers that's writing about um, what they love, which is um, power pop. Yes. Go all the way. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to Book Music, everyone. Um, next time, we are going to be doing something completely different, a little bit out of our usual uh, realm of music listening. We're going to be discussing the 33 and a third book, brand new, Judy Garland's Judy at Carnegie Hall by Manuel Betancourt. So that should be interesting because I don't think either of us really listens to Judy Garland too much. I mean, uh, we know about her, you know, obviously she's a classic chanteuse, um, amazing film star. So this should we're, be we're, we're going to go heavily into Judy. Yes. Yes. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I like to, I'm uh, looking forward to it as well. Yes. All right. So, uh, definitely, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and we're going to have a playlist for this episode and as well as a playlist for all our previous episodes. You can find everything on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. So thank you very much, everyone. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.